Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. With us again today for our life study of Genesis is Francis Ball. Francis, we enjoyed a wonderful introduction to this classic life study of Genesis in our last program. And for those listeners who weren't with us, maybe you could say a little word about the underlying theme of this study. Well, you're certainly right about this being a classic life study. The focus of the whole Bible is life. But uh, to tell you the truth, before I heard these messages, I looked at uh, Genesis, especially the first couple of chapters, just as a record of creation. But as was pointed out in that broadcast, if you had a record of creation, it would take a lot more than two chapters. It would even take most of the 66 books of the Bible in order to give a record of creation and all the things that are in Genesis. A lot that's in Genesis are uh, uh, taken as stories about men's lives. But that's not really the point. I think the main point that we've seen is that the real focus of not only Genesis, but the whole Bible, is life. I admit, in the past, I did realize that, for example, the book of John is a book on life. And I realized some of the things the Lord Jesus said about himself, that he is life. But it wasn't until I got into these life studies and began to see that the whole Bible is a book of life. It begins with life. It ends with life. Even in Genesis, the first couple of chapters, you have the uh, different levels of life. You've got a vegetable life. You've got the animal life. And then you have the human life. But there's another life, which is really life. And that's the subject of the whole Bible. That life is the Lord Jesus himself. He said, I am the life. So the light that we receive in this life study of Genesis will bring out all uh, the seeds of the truth that's unfolded throughout the Bible. Everything here is opening up that this is a book of life. And when we touch the Bible at any point, if we really touch the Lord himself as life, we will be very much nourished. So if we come to the Bible, we have to realize that every book has been breathed out by God. We have to say, Lord, I want to touch you. As I read this book, I want to contact you. So I've realized now that the book of Genesis is really also a book of life. Not just a book of stories, not just of lives of men, but a book of life itself, which is God himself breathed into this book. And now when we breathe him in, as we read this book, we really get a supply of the divine life. Thank you, Francis. Again, we're pointing out that the audio quality of these 24-year-old tapes of Witness Lee is certainly not state-of-the-art. But I think we'll all be impressed that they're worthy of our time because of their classic content. So bear with us 
as we join Witness Lee for today's life study of Genesis. We come to the first verse of the first chapter. In the beginning. It's hard to tell something about the beginning. In the Bible, this phrase in the beginning has been used twice. The first time in Genesis 1-1. The second time in John 1-1. But you have to know, the beginning mentioned in John 1-1 was a little earlier than the beginning mentioned here. Both were beginning, but one was a little earlier and the other was a little later. The beginning mentioned by John was a beginning in eternity, was a beginning without any beginning. Then the beginning revealed in Genesis 1 was the beginning of the time. And the beginning of time started with God's creation. So you see, John refers to eternity. Genesis refers to the time of God's creation. In this beginning, God created. It's quite interesting. In this sentence, The subject, God, is plural. And the predicate, created, is singular. Are there several gods? Surely this was a little seed of the Trinity. God is one, but he's triune. So in the same chapter, in verse 26, he called himself us. God said, let us make man. So what? So we cannot explain. One God, yet triune. The triune God came to create. The subject were three, but the action was one. The triune God created. And here, later on we will see, in these two chapters, as to God's creation, or as to God's creation and recreation, three different verbs are used. Number one, create. Number two, made. Number three, formed. Only God can do this. Only God can create. You cannot create, neither can I create. We could only make. To make means what? To make means something existing already. You use that something existing to make it into something else. On the first day, and on the third day, God didn't create the light. Nor God created the earth, because by that time the light was there already, and the earth was buried under the deep water. What God made on the first day was not a kind of creation, but just a kind of commanding. God says, let there be light, and light was there. Then on the third day, God commanded 
that the buried land come out of the dead water. That was not creation. That was a kind of making. Then God made man a physical body. That was not a creation. That was a kind of formation. God formed man with the dust. You see, three verbs used for God's creation and recreation. God's creation is in chapter 1 when? And God's recreation started from chapter 1, verse 3. For God's creation and his recreation, three verbs are used. Create, make, and form. Hallelujah. Francis, I'd like to pause at this point and ask you about a very intriguing comment of Witness Lee's. He pointed out that the phrase, in the beginning, appears twice in the Bible. First, in Genesis 1, and then later in John 1. Would you explain how these two beginnings are not the same? Yes, I believe we can uh, say a word about how these two beginnings are not the same. But one thing I'd like to say, I hope that many people will follow these life studies regularly because there's so much in here in detail and so much in observation of how the whole Bible is presented that if you uh, don't get it step by step, you may miss some very, very crucial points. Uh, Just this term, in the beginning, occurring twice in the Bible like this, uh, I admit I had seen that these two beginnings were there, but I never saw the distinction so clearly. But when he brings out that in the beginning, in John 1.1, was a beginning long before, how long before, we don't know, but it was long before the beginning in Genesis 1. And Genesis 1 is a, a matter of God creating. In the beginning, God created. And that's the beginning of time. But John 1, 1 is the beginning of eternity past. You might say it's the beginningless beginning. This is a big help for us to realize that in the beginning, in John 1, 1, was eternity. There was no one but God. And in the beginning was the Word. That means that in that beginningless beginning, God was triune. And that triune God then began a work, began a creating work. And so the first verses of Genesis said, in the beginning, God created. This God that created is the triune God. And this creation was something God did that started the matter of time. Before Genesis 1-1, you don't have a record of time. So that beginning is the beginning of time. And the beginning in John 1, 1 is from eternity past. There is a lot of meaning in the use of this term in these two instances. Just for example, every person listening to this program has had a beginning, which was his physical birth, which he received as his human life from his parents. And that beginning was the beginning of his life on the earth. But every person needs another beginning. And the beginning that he needs now is the beginning of a divine life, of the life that is Christ himself. So 
unless you have these two beginnings, the beginning of your physical life and the beginning of the divine life in you when you receive the Lord Jesus into you, then you're short of a beginning. So these two terms give us a good illustration of what John in his gospel says. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's one beginning. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's another beginning. So not only in the Bible we have two beginnings, but even in our experience we must have two beginnings. Thank you, Francis. Let's return to Witness Lee and our live study of Genesis. For what purpose God created the heavens? If you read the Bible, you could see the heavens are for the earth. Hallelujah. The earth is not for the heavens. Nothing from this earth is for the heavens. But so many things from the heavens are for this earth. The sunshine is for this earth. The water is for the earth. And the air from the uh, expanse is also for the earth. And then, for what is the earth? According to the Bible, we are told the earth is for man. The heavens are for the earth, and the earth is for man. And this is why Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1 says, God stretches the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth, and God also formed the spirit of man. The heavens are for the earth, and the earth is for man, and man is for God. I tell you, this is the purpose of God's creation. And this is why we are told purely by Revelation 4.11 that all the things were created according to God's will. God has will. And according to that will, according to that purpose, he came in to create. And that purpose was to get a humanity as a corporate entity to contain him and to express him. I tell you, this was God's purpose in brief. In order to keep this humanity, there was the need of an earth. In order to keep the earth, there was the need of the heavens. So God came in to create the heavens and then the earth and then eventually he created man to fulfill his purpose. Francis, this section presented a good response to the question that we have all asked. What is the purpose of creation? So how about I pose the question to you. What is the purpose of creation? The purpose of creation. This is a marvelous and a philosophical question that no philosopher can answer, but the Bible answers. The fact is that God has a will with a purpose. We have to realize that certainly if we humans have a purpose, God must have a purpose. And this purpose is revealed in the Bible. This purpose is to have what? Is to have a corporate humanity, a humanity that will express God. To have such a humanity to express Him, there's a need of an earth. And to have an earth to serve as a place for this humanity to come into being, 
There's the need of the heavens. So as Witness Lee pointed out, the heavens are for the earth, not the earth for the heavens. But everything in the heavens is the source of the supply for what everything the earth needs. The earth needs sunshine, the heaven supplies it. The earth needs water, the heaven supplies it. So the heavens are for the earth. But man is created on the earth, and man is for God. So if you put these together, the heavens are for the earth, the earth is for man, and man is for God. This is what God needed to fulfill his satisfaction, to fulfill his will, to accomplish his purpose. God needed man. He needed a humanity to express him. So in Zechariah chapter 12, you have a verse that says, The Lord stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. So I'd just like to repeat. That's a good little saying to remember. The heavens are for the earth, the earth is for man, and man is for God. So God's purpose in his creation is to get a people, a humanity, that will express him. It's interesting that there's such a parallel between these two references in the Old Testament, that the order in Genesis is repeated again, as you said, in Zechariah. This must really give us a window into God's heart for his purpose and his plan. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Francis. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study in Genesis. We all have to realize God's eternal purpose is all together for his son Christ. When God created the heavens and the earth and all the other items, he did it through Christ. He did it by Christ. All the things were made through Christ, by Christ, and in a sense, in Christ. And then what? Then, from that time, from the time of creation, all the things subsist in Christ. Christ becomes the hub that holds every part of the whole universe. When I was a boy, I didn't know much about the earth. When I got a little knowledge about the earth, I was very much concerned for the earth. Because I got to know the earth is just in the air. And I checked, and I checked with my teachers, this big ball is hanging on what? And the teacher told me, nothing. <laughs> then I said, how could these big balls taste? And the teacher said, it just tastes. <laughs> so from that time, I was a little concerned. <laughs> I was not concerned for the earthquake, but I was concerned for the earth drop. <laughs> It was a big globe, big ball hanging on nothing. I was really concerned for this. Later on, I got saved. Uh-huh. I got to read two verses. One verse in Hebrew, chapter 1. 
that says Christ with his word of power hold all the things and Colossians 1 says all the things subsist in Christ apparently the earth is hanging on nothing but I tell you don't be any more concerned Christ hold it Jesus hold everything Hallelujah. Jesus hold everything for what? For his glory. For God's glory. For his body. For us. I tell you, if the heaven collapse and the earth will drop, then where should we be? And then where will be the body? Hallelujah. Here we are. Hallelujah. We do have such a good earth to live on and to work on. And we have the heavens to serve us. When we need the sunshine, day by day, the heavens send the sunshine. When we need the rain, day by day, or year after year, the rain comes. When we need the air, the air is here. Hallelujah. The whole heavens are serving the earth. And the earth is for us. And we are here for the body and we are here even of the body and Christ loves this body for this body I tell you Christ holds the whole universe okay the creation has another function that is to declare the glory of God to prove that there is a God Oh, the heavens declare the glory of God. Am I right? And the firmament, that means expands, sheds his handiwork. The invisible things of God, the divine power, and the Godhead are invisible. Yet, by the things that were made, man can understand it. Man can understand without an excuse. Today, no one can say there's no God. Look at the creation. How could we say there's no God? Well, anyhow, this is not my central thought. The central thought to carry on to is that the whole Bible is a book of life. And this life is Christ. And this Christ today is our portion. Whenever we come to the Bible, we have to contact Him. I like his story about his questioning mind as a young boy. And it certainly was entertaining, but it was also full of insight, wasn't it? I believe so. His questioning and observing mind as a boy was carried out also into his searching the truth in the Bible. I believe this is one of the fine points that has made the life study of the Bible given by Witness Lee so enlightening and helpful. His kind of questioning stirs up our inquiring mind. But when he points us to Christ as the one who upholds the universe and shows us the Bible verses that substantiate all this, this really 
strengthens our faith and gives us a desire to really know this wonderful Christ. So, after all the pieces are put together, we can see that Christ is the center, the circumference, and the glory of the whole universe. Jesus upholds everything, and everything is for His glory and for His body. I like that. Everything is for His glory and even for His body. Thank you, Francis. You have been listening to the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge. Yeah.